0: Part Four, chapter thirty eight of short history of the christian church by john fletcher hurst this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty eight roman catholicism in england for over two centuries the lot of the roman catholics in england was a hard one as late as seventeen eighty the law of england made it a capital crime for a native priest to perform the rites of his church Catholics could not acquire land by purchase, and persons educated abroad in the Catholic faith forfeited their estates to the next Protestant heir. No Roman Catholic could be a guardian or a lawyer, and it was a crime punishable with death for a priest to celebrate the marriage relation between a Protestant and a Catholic. These rigorous laws prevailed not only in England, but also in Ireland and in Scotland they were, if possible, even more severe. It was not possible for liberal-minded statesmen to look upon these harsh burdens carried by loyal citizens, from whom harm could no longer be suspected, without seeking measures for relief. In 1780, Sir George Seville introduced a bill repealing some of the more notoriously unjust provisions of the laws against the Catholics, providing they would sign a carefully worded test. In spite of George III's inveterate prejudices and the opposition of the rank and file of the people, this bill became law. But it occasioned an outburst of religious fanaticism which for a time swept all before it. In Scotland, where like proposals of relief were brought forward, a Committee for the Protestant Interests very similar to the committee of one hundred now guarding american liberties in boston was formed which so stirred up the populace of edinburgh that they attacked and set fire to roman catholic churches and parsonages as well as the houses of those who were suspected of favoring the relief bill in england a veritable protestant reign of terror ensued so inflamed was the public mind at the mention of any concessions to the catholics that monster petitions were soon signed, given to Lord George Gordon, a member of Parliament and a gloomy fanatic, who, followed by an immense mob, proceeded, June 2nd, 1780, to the Houses of Parliament, to awe that Assembly by such a manifestation of stalwart Protestantism. But the devil of bigotry, once raised, is not easily laid." tasting the sweets of power moved by the harangues of pulpit and press against the catholics the mob became uncontrollable and proceeded to a feast of riot and pillage catholic churches and the houses of catholics were gutted and burned newgate prison and the mansion of the chief justice lord mansfield were destroyed the bank of england and several other public buildings were attacked and for days London was at the mercy of the ruffians. Charles Dickens, in his strongest novel Barnaby Rudge, has told the tale of this reign of carnage from a study of the contemporary records, and with exactest historical justice as well as with terrible dramatic interest. But these measures were only tentative. Neither the Bill of 1780 nor that of 1791 Struck the civil fetters from the Catholics. They were still not only excluded from Parliament, but from numerous minor offices, franchises, and civil rights. To enjoy any privileges whatever, they must forswear belief in transubstantiation and the invocation of saints. A growing liberality of feeling, however, prepared the way for complete emancipation. This was helped by the influence of the eloquent Daniel O'Connell. On March 5, 1829, Sir Robert Peel introduced into the House of Commons the celebrated Relief Bill, which swept away the remaining Catholic restrictions. This was the year after the disabilities had been removed from the Protestant dissenters, who, however, still opposed granting the same rights to the Catholics. But Peel's bill became law, and gave to a long-suffering people their tardy dues several of the higher offices of the realm were excluded however from the range of the bill with better chance for growth the roman church anticipated a recovery of her former position it had long been the fond dream of the pope to recover the lost island of albion in eighteen forty england was divided into eight vicariates more vigor was put into catholic evangelism in eighteen fifty by a special bull, Pope Pius IX restored the hierarchy and formally instituted the church in England, after three hundred years of lapse, as an organized body. The country was divided into one metropolitan, with Dr. Wiseman, Archbishop of Westminster, and twelve episcopal sees. But in spite of these hopeful steps, in spite of the splendid promise of the Oxford movement, with its hundreds of converts, the Roman Church in England is on the decline. Its apparent gains have been due to Irish immigration. A writer in the Catholic journal The Month, London, July 1885, gives some discouraging figures. In 1841, the Roman Catholic population of England and Wales was 800,000, the total population, 18,845,424. In 1885, the population of the country had increased 62%. A like rate of increase on the part of the Catholics, adding 100,000 immigrants from Ireland, should make 2,396,000 souls. In reality, the Catholics only had, in 1885, 1,362,760, and in 1887 only 1,354,000. This means the Church has lost, in round numbers, one million souls in these years. The tablet, May 21, 1887, confesses that the quote, annual losses of Anglo Romanism vastly exceeded its gains. End quote. The month declares that quote, not only are converts fewer, but our own people are in great numbers falling away. Quote. The remark of St. George Mivar that the divine blessing has never rested upon the effort to bring England back to the Roman obedience is abundantly justified. As a power in modern religious life, the Roman Church is falling back not only in England, but in all countries, the nemesis of the dearly purchased victory of Ultramontanism. End of chapter thirty-eight